Proverbs chapter 8 today. Somebody just spilled their coffee. It's water, okay. (laughs) Sometimes when a cup spills, it'll roll all the way down through and actually make it down here to where I can see it. Or at least when the coffee spills, I can see it start running down through. (laughs) It happens. It's all good. Okay, well, let me ask you, let me me start like this this morning. Um, If if I asked you this morning, how well could you articulate the person that you are in love with? If I were to sit you down and, and you and your spouse and say, why, why are you a, a attracted to this person that you're married to? What, what would you say? What is it about them that you, uh, that you are attracted to? You know, when I do premarital counseling with people throughout the year with couples, that's one of the first things that I ask them. I, I'll sit them down and I'll say, okay, why them? What is it about them that you want to marry them? And, and, and I love to see the looks on the guys' faces whenever I do this because the guys are always like a deer in the headlights like, oh, no, we're not doing this, are we? You know, they're like, they don't want to talk about their feelings and emotions and things like that. And they get really nervous and then they're trying to, you know, spit out some religious answer or something because the pastor has asked them, <laughs> right? I did the same thing when I was that age. I remember when Amanda and I were in premarital counseling and uh, we were, well, I would have been 20, we were 21, um, and so I sat there, and I remember Doug Horner, who some of you even know, because uh, he's from this area, he asked us, you know, why, why are you attracted to one another? Why do you want to marry this person? And, you know, internally, I'm like, because she's hot and she's nice to me? Like, is that, a, you know, externally, I'm like, she brings me closer to God. <laughs> Tell the pastor what he wants to hear, right? Oh, man. Well, The reason why I ask that question in premarital counseling isn't so they'll tell me what I want to hear or anything like that. The reason is I I want to get couples to really examine why am I attracted to this, uh, why am I attracted to this individual, and is that, are those reasons healthy, and are those reasons enough to actually marry someone? Those are good questions to really ask, right? Well, I bring that up because in chapter 8, where we are today, Solomon is sitting down with his sons, and and repeatedly he he has presented two different women to his sons to consider if they are attracted to either one of these women. And so remember, he personifies his wisdom as lady wisdom. But then he also talks about folly. And and in the next chapter, uh, this adulterous woman will actually be referred to as lady folly or, or woman folly. And so when we examine these two women over and over again, we are kind of like Solomon's sons sitting down and listening to this lecture from our dad. And so Lady Folly, that's the adulterous woman that we studied in depth in chapter 5 and in chapter 7 last week. And, And when you pursue and are attracted to Lady Folly, it's as if you're the type of person who is just indifferent to God. You just don't... It's not that you hate God, you're just indifferent to his ways and to his holiness. And it's a path, though, that leads ultimately to death. When you, when you pursue this woman or go down that path, you're like an ox being led to slaughter. You're like a, you're like a bird that just rushes right into the snare, says Solomon. But there's a, the reason he presents Lady Folly is to say, is there anything about her that you're attracted to? Because if there is, know that that attraction is not healthy. Those motives are not good 
They may be in there. You may be attracted to that. There's reason for that. You're fallen, right? You are sinful, and so am I. But you need to understand those are not healthy things, and that is not a healthy road to go down. And so then he presents to us over and over Lady Wisdom. And Lady Wisdom is back up on the scene today. And so Lady Wisdom is someone who pursues God's wisdom from above. And so walking towards and pursuing Lady Wisdom is, a li- is pursuing life. It's pursuing peace. It's pursuing holiness and joy and truth. And so chapter 8 is Solomon saying, consider if there's any attraction here. And let me just tell you, there should be, and that's a healthy attraction. (laughs) Those are good reasons. You want to walk with her through life. It is in your best interest because it's a path that leads to life. And so maybe... So maybe today, as we, as we consider that symbolism that exists there, we can, we can try to answer this question for ourselves. What, what if I were to ask you this? Why are you attracted to the Christian worldview? Why, why are you, you are pursuing the Christian way of life on some level, just by virtue of being here today, on some level there is some interest in your hearts and in your mind there's, there's an attraction there to this way of life and to this teaching, to God's word, to his presence. What is it about God that you're walking in this direction? What is it about this life that keeps you going this way? Well, chapter 8 helps us to remember those reasons. Ah, this is why I am attracted to this way of life. This is why I walk down this road. Because sometimes we forget, right? Sometimes when we're walking that narrow path, it can get... Uh, a little discouraging at times, right? Everyone would travel if it was the, the wide path, right? But we're, it's, we know it's worth walking the, the narrow gate because we're, we're just amazed that the gate's open at all, right? It's, it's, a, it's a path of grace. But we're going we're gonna to talk about those things. So as we're talking about Lady Wisdom here in Proverbs 8, I'm breaking it up into kind of five sections here. We're going to see in, in verses 1 through 11 that Lady Wisdom is the path of truth, 12 through 16, we're going to see that Lady Wisdom is the path of holiness. 17 through 21, she is the path of reward. 22 through 31, she's a path that puts you in harmony with God. And 32 through 36 is that she is the path of abundant and eternal life. All right? So did you get all that? You wrote all that down? Okay, here we go. Proverbs chapter 8, let's take verses 1 through 11. Does wisdom, does not wisdom call Does not understanding raise her voice? On the the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, uh, she cries aloud. Here she is. To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things. And from my lips will will come what is right. From my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands. And right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver. And knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all the way you may desire, and all that you may desire may not compare her. So here's Lady Wisdom. 
crying aloud to everyone. Now, now considering the adulterous woman or the or woman folly that we studied last week, remember how she communicated? Lady, Lady Folly or, or the adulterous woman, she was in disguise. Her, her motives were hidden. She was out at night. She was luring those into sin. But here, Lady Wisdom doesn't operate like that. Lady Wisdom is, is, is loud and clear, no hidden agendas when it comes to Lady Wisdom. She's very upfront about who she is and, and what she's about. She's making herself known in broad daylight, not at night. And she is calling all men, all men to listen. That's everyone, mankind. And so she's, she's particularly interested in getting the attention of two, two kinds of people. Simple people and fools. Now remember, simple ones, that's not, that's not Hebrew lingo for idiots or, or people that are stupid. That's Hebrew lingo for, for those who are just indifferent to God. You just haven't made a choice. You're not being intentional with your actions. You're open to many different ways of life. She's particularly trying to get that person's attention. Don't be indifferent to me. Listen to what I'm saying. She's trying to reach out to the fools. Remember the fools, those aren't idiots either. Fools in Hebrew lingo, they were just those who lacked experience. That's, that's how that word is being used in the book of Proverbs. Those who are, who are lacking in experience, they don't have the insight. Well, Lady Wisdom's like, here, have the insight. Here's the knowledge that you don't have. Take it. Learn the easy way instead of the hard way. What I am trying to communicate to you is noble things. They're, they're, they're noble things. This is truth. This is what, is what is right. That's why we're on this path. It's the most attractive thing about this path. It's the right path. It's God's way. It's, he, he is truth. It's so hard to discern truth nowadays, right? We, 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 living in the information age, it's completely overwhelming, you know, trying to sort through what everyone says about everything and, and how you can twist and turn facts and things like that. You can, you can make things that are actually good sound like they're bad if you have the right rhetoric. You can make things that are bad actually sound like they're good. And so we, do, we play this game over and over and over again in our society. It's, it, it'll make you nauseous, right? It, it's just so hard, though, to, to figure out truth. And, and so they, they have the same exact problem in their day that we have in our day. You know, they, they didn't have all of this information at their fingertips, but there were still those back then who wanted to twist everything all of the time. They wanted to, to pervert the truth, right, to, to twist things. And so this is, um, uh, people that are most susceptible to this are those who Proverbs describe as simple or fools. They don't have the experience or they're just kind of indifferent. They're willing to just, you know, ex be gullible. You know, I mentioned from time to time that I'm a documentary junkie. I'll watch documentaries no matter how good they are or how bad they are. I just, it's like when, when everybody's asleep in my house, sometimes I just can't turn, turn it off. And so I'll watch a documentary. And so I'll torture myself with like these murder documentaries and things like that. And I just finished one actually recently this week. It was a five-part documentary series about this. Actually, he would have been my age. It was like a 90s goth punk uh, you know, and, and he was, he was a, a drug addict, and he was a, an alcoholic, and he, he was a Satan worshiper, 
and he would routinely hold satanic rituals in which he would sacrifice animals and things like this. And he had this house in which there were no rules, and, and people would come over there and party all the time, and they got in all sorts of trouble. And, and uh, you know, there was, he, he would have the, these orgies and, 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 and just insane parties. And, and one of these parties, or, well, a couple of the, of the different parties, well, he shot and killed uh, a couple of people over the course of several years. And so after a bunch of sloppy investigation, they caught him, eventually caught him. Why do I mention this? Because as I'm, as I'm watching this documentary about this murder, the, the documentary maker who interviews himself uh, continuously throughout this whole series, he decides to, to, in, uh, to interject this theme throughout all of these episodes that had to do with Christianity. He, he, this theme that he had throughout all of these episodes were that, well, this guy is bad, but a, part, a, a people group in this community that are partly to blame are Christians. Evangelical Christians are partly to blame. And I'm like, why is that, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. Did they have something to do with these murders or something like that? No, they were, they were connected in no way in the police investigation whatsoever. But he just wanted to make, he just took the opportunity to get this big jab in over and over with just twisting the truth enough. Like, you know, these Christians, they, they hate satanic worship. And so that practically egged him on and made him more of a satanic worshiper. They were against alcoholism and drug addiction and, and orgies and all that stuff. So he just, that made him him be more evil because he wanted to be the evil that they said that they were against. And so they are partly to blame. And that was a consistent theme almost every episode. Christians were partly to blame for this guy murdering these people. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Talk about doing some mental gymnastics to, to get your agenda into this murder documentary, right? Obviously, this guy has a bone to pick with Christians. And so he was using them as a punching bag. I mean, how many institutions existed in that community that were also against Satan worshiping, that were also against murder, that were also against orgies and uh, drug addiction and alcoholism? Well, probably it was unanimous. All of the institutions in that community were probably against those things. But he chose to twist things and make it sound like Christians were bad too. And I think... I thought to myself, I was sitting there as an offended believer, thinking, you know, how many simple people watch this? How many, how many people who are just indifferent to God or how many people who just lack experience and insight and you know, just life experience and they don't know what the Christian faith is really about? How many of those people are watching this documentary right now and they're like, you know what, this murder is bad, but Christians are bad too. Obviously, Christians are a bunch of overly judgmental, critical jerks. I thought... How many people are being influenced by this garbage? To just taking the jab against Christians. And it was, it, it, was, it was really discouraging because so much of that happens in our world with an array of different topics. They just take a little bit of the truth and then sprinkle in a bunch of garbage. They'll take a truth and it's just enough truth to, that they can be kind of right, but then they'll twist and, and pervert things and play games and, and present it as something that it's really not supposed to be at all. Lady Wisdom is coming up on the scene here and saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to play games with you like that. That's not how I operate. 
I don't take things that are bad and make them sound good. I don't take things that are good and make them sound bad. I don't talk about the guilty and present them as innocent. I don't talk about the innocent in a way that would make them look guilty. I, just, I don't play those games with you. I don't twist things. I don't make anything crooked. And the reason that I don't do that is because wickedness, it says in verse 7, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Wisdom will never compromise whenever it comes to sin because wisdom is, is inseparable from the holiness of God. Wisdom will never compromise on sin. As a matter of fact, the, for that very reason, that's why wisdom is valuable. It's because wisdom will not compromise when it comes to sin that makes wisdom so valuable. It's rooted in the holiness of God. That's why it's more precious than silver. That's why it's more precious than gold. That's why it's more valuable than any jewels you could gather because it's rooted in who God is. And remember, uh, the, the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. And that fear of the Lord that is rooted, that is a reference to his holiness. And if you are rooted in his holiness and you are pursuing his wisdom, his holiness will then manifest in your life. That's why that's one that's another reason this this way of life is so attractive. I want the holiness of God to manifest in my life. I want his standard of righteousness to manifest in the way I live my life, the ways that I think. Because because apart from God, I don't think like him. Apart from God, my standard of morality is, is off. I, I need to be connected with him via God, the Holy Spirit, so that his, his wisdom would manifest in holiness in my life. And that's what 12 through 16 is about. Let's continue here. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. Don't forget that word, justly. So, so you want to be equipped with wisdom in a way that will manifest holiness? Well, look, look at the company that wisdom hangs out with. Who does she dwell with? With prudence, with knowledge, with discretion. Prudence is that, is that positive version of being clever, that positive version of being cunning. It's, it, it's cunning in a good way. Discretion is that ability to adjust and, and make a plan. It's the ability to read the room, to discern. It, it reminds me of one of, the, one of my favorite things that Jesus says. One of my favorite verses when it comes to the New Testament as far as like quotations of Jesus instructing the crowds or his disciples is Matthew 10, 16. He says to his disciples, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd or wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's one of my favorite verses. Some people don't like that verse because, of, wait, Jesus is telling me to be like a snake? I thought snakes are bad in the Bible. I thought that's like Satan and stuff. No, you're, you're, you're confusing facts here. I, I, yeah, the, the, the story of creation and, and Satan and the serpent, but that's not what Jesus is saying. When you think about the animal, a snake, they're intentional. They're subtle. They're, they're very calculated in how they move and, and how they get from A to B. He's saying, be like that. Only in a good way. Be like that, only be as innocent as a dove as you be like that. 
When you're, when you're being like that, be as innocent as a dove. There's so much truth, such a big concept packed in Matthew 10, 16. So the wisdom of God, it's equipping us to do something special. It's equipping us to oppose that which is evil in the eyes of God. He hates evil. You know, sometimes in our culture, we think of hating as always a negative thing. Hey, man, we're all love, no hate. That sounds good to the simple and the foolish. All love, no hate. We're just all love here. We don't hate anything. Well, don't you hate the things that are wrong? <laughs> don't you hate that which is bad? You should hate, the, you should hate murder, right? I hate murder. I hate it when that happens, right? So, so we want to hate that which is evil. And so when we are empowered by God and we are pursuing his wisdom, we will hate what he hates. And that's a good thing. That is a positive thing. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. So that path of wisdom hates things like pride and arrogance. Wisdom's like, I got no love for pride. I got no love for arrogance. And so wisdom empowers people to live without those attributes of pride and arrogance and allows them to judge things justly. We want to we want to judge things justly according to God's standard of judgment. And so, so the people like those princes and rulers that it mentions in that text are judging justly. Their biggest strength, the, the reason wisdom is a strength for them is because it empowers them to oppose what is actually evil. They're opposing the real evil. And that's the benefit. And when you oppose what is really evil, when you hate what is evil, it is rewarding on a level that even surpasses our understanding. It is a rewarding path. That's one of the, that's one of the most attractive things about this way of life. It opposes what is actually evil, and there is reward when we do that. Listen to verses 17 through 21. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and in paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So the path of wisdom is attractive because it's a path of reward. This, now, now, don't read the prosperity gospel into that. Wait a second. It's, it's promising all of, this, uh, all, of this, all of these riches and things like that, gold. No, his, the, the fruit of this path is better than gold. It's, it's even fine gold, and, and, and her yield is better than choice silver, it says. So opposing evil with the strength that wisdom provides is more rewarding than anything that this world has to offer. It surpasses the most valuable things we can think of. That's what that text is trying to say. So how do we obtain this reward? This offer for, for wisdom, it's not just for, for geniuses or experts. No, it's just for those who love God. It's exclusively for those who love God. That's, that's how you are granted this wisdom. That's how you pursue it. You, you pursue God. You love him. It's for those who seek after God. Those are the ones who receive this reward. And you may say, well, that's all well and good, but you know, when I, when I, as I've been listening through this, 
teaching over the book of Proverbs. You keep referencing King Solomon sitting down with his sons. And so is this just like King Solomon's wisdom? Is he just referring actually to his own wisdom in the sense that it's just his, uh, you know, he's just a man. It's just his wisdom that, that he, the father, is giving to his literal sons. Is this actually ultimately referring to the wisdom of God? Or is it just the wisdom of Solomon? Well, that has been taught to us actually repeatedly up to this point, but just in case you missed it, here's verses 22 through 31. So uh, you can see with clarity, this is a, a ultimately a reference to the wisdom of God that goes way, way, way beyond Solomon, as you'll see. 22 says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no, were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. This is like the crescendo of the appeal here. This is Lady, Lady Wisdom at, the, at her loudest right now. I was there when the earth was made. This is how God set things up to work. This is according to his, his design. You want to live in harmony with God according to his standard of righteousness? I am how you do that. Because I was there when he put the first dust particles together. I was there when in, in, in his wisdom, which is me, he made the ocean work right. I was there. This is the most attractive path we could possibly take because it's the path that was designed by God himself. That's why we pursue Lady Wisdom. You and I were made to go down this road. So when I resist God's wisdom, when I reject this call of, of Lady Wisdom, I am fighting against how I was created to live. I'm fighting against how I was, I was designed, hating God and ignoring him, his ways. If I don't listen to Lady Wisdom and pursue her, it's like I'm repudiating the purpose for which I was created. And so Lady Wisdom just wants to level with you. If that is your choice, if you absolutely refuse to listen to me, and you, you insist upon pursuing Lady Folly, well, there is death waiting for you. It's always a matter of life and death. Listen to 32 through 36. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself all who hate me love death. It's always a matter of life and death when it comes to the book of Proverbs. Finding wisdom is finding life. 
And we ultimately find that life through the wisdom of God, who is ultimately Jesus. All of, all of, these, all of, all of this appeal from Lady Wisdom, it's all pointing us to the Christ. It's all pointing us to who Jesus is. Like when you consider those first 11 verses, wisdom being the path of truth, well, Jesus is that truth. Right? Jesus is the truth that changes everything. As a matter of fact, in, in John 14, 6, he actually says literally, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is our path to living in truth. When we consider the, the, the next section that is the path to holiness, well, Jesus is ultimately our path to holiness. That's what makes pursuing him so attractive. That's what makes it feel so good is because I don't have to muster up all the holiness that I can to be acceptable to God. He is my holiness. Like that's, that's, a, that's a game changer right there. Like in the actual verse in, 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 first, in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians that refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God, continue through that verse, and he, he teaches that, we're all, that Jesus is also our righteousness to God. That's why I pursue this path. That's what makes this path so attractive, is that Jesus is my righteousness. And that enables me and inspires me to pursue holiness in my own life as I fear the Lord. And of course, as we discussed, wisdom is our path to reward. Well, well, Jesus is our path to reward because he is our righteousness. He secures that reward. In Ephesians 1, we see that in Christ, we have obtained an, an eternal inheritance. There is no reward greater than the eternal inheritance that we have in Christ. It's better than all the jewels we can muster up here. It's all better than all the silver, all the money. It's better than all of that. That's why we pursue Christ, because we have this eternal inheritance through him because of him. He is our path to reward, because in him we are established in the kingdom of God for eternity. And, and wisdom is our path to living in harmony with creation because, well, that's ultimately pointing to Jesus. He, he has redeemed us. He was there, just like wisdom said, she was there. Well, Jesus, we learn about him in the New Testament. He was there when the, when, when the stars were being put in the sky. He, he was there at creation because he is a part of the Godhead. And so when, when creation was corrupted by sin, Christ entered his creation, the incarnate Christ. He came and, and lived and died and rose again to redeem us. So that is how, it's because of Christ that I get to be in harmony with all of creation, with all that God has made. And he will return and make all things new. And I will exist with him for eternity as something new. That's how you live in harmony with God. And, of course, the last truth, their path is wisdom is the path of life. Well, that's an understatement when it comes to Jesus because through Christ we have an everlasting life. And so Christ is the reason, is, is, is the biggest reason this path is so attractive to us. He's the biggest reason we, we get up and endure as we go through the narrow gate, as we, as we walk, a, a, you know, counter to the grains of society and we live this different way that's, that, that, that makes us not fit into anything very well in culture. And we're always feeling like the misfit. We're always feeling like a pressure to fit in because we know that we don't. We belong to something that transcends this world. I'm, I'm a new creation now in the, in the established kingdom of Christ for eternity. And he's going to make 
all things new and he's going to make me new and he's going to rid all of this reality of sin. We are redeemed through Christ. That's why we travel this path. And so let's remember him, the most attractive element of our faith, Christ, as we take communion together today. So let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for the gospel. We are so grateful, Lord, that we have an infinite amount of reasons to keep going this way. Lord, we're never alone. You are never out of control. Lord, we never feel like we, that we fit in here, but we always fit in with you. We always fit into your kingdom because of Christ, because of Jesus. I'm acceptable to you. I'm pleasing to you. You delight in me because of your son. Lord, help us to hold on to that hope. Help us to walk with that truth hand in hand through our lives, walking with, with lady wisdom, Lord, that we can have this truth in, a, in such a way that it would not only change our lives completely, but, but change the lives of those around us. Lord, give us this wisdom that we can impact and, and encourage those in this world all to your glory alone. And it's in your name that we